guys welcome back to another episode of the free thought project podcast my name is jason bassler and joining me today is the free thought project editor-in-chief matt agorist our guest this week is longtime activist anarchist and agorist mr john bush john has been involved in the cryptocurrency space since 2013 he played a major role in spreading early adoption of bitcoin through multiple promotional family road trips in which he and his family traveled the country in their converted school bus hosting meetups. From 2014 to 2016, he hosted the Sovereign BTC podcast and has been featured in media outlets such as Yahoo, Coindesk, Cointelegraph, Bitcoin Magazine, Russia Today, and TechCrunch. The past couple years, John has shifted his work towards building intentional communities through his new seminar called Exit and Build. Welcome to the Free Thought Project podcast, John. So we were both at Float Fest this past weekend, very inspired by your speech. And the event was awesome. I've, I've uh, you know, got to network with a bunch of people. Appreciate the work that you've been doing lately. And I actually had to cross paths with you before you even gave your speech just to say hi. So you've created the Live Free Academy. You started a movement a strategy and a summit called Exit and Build. And I found this really fascinating. So do you mind explaining exactly what Exit and Build is? Sure. Yeah. So I started a business last year called Live Free Academy. And the goal of the business is to help people to find more freedom in their lives, specifically focused on financial independence and entrepreneurship, decentralized technology and cryptocurrency, and exit and build strategy. We're hosting an event coming up May 13th to the 15th. It will be in person as well as virtual. Folks can watch the first two days online. Uh, the third day is uh, paid. You get an immersion pass. You get the replay and all that stuff. I can share more about that. But really, it's all centered around the strategy of exit and build, which is actually a concept that Derek came up with. It's really the communication of a strategy that many of us have been employing for quite some time. But I think just it puts it in very simple terms, right? So a lot of people engage in politics, protesting, yelling at government buildings, occupying the parliament square or whatever. Uh, and a lot of people are, are just apathetic, really. And so what we believe to be the most effective way to bring about freedom in our personal lives, as well as freedom as a collective community, is exit and build strategy. And what that means specifically is exiting those institutions, systems that we find to be unethical, that we have no use for and building alternatives that are decentralized, voluntary, transparent. Uh, and so that's really what it's all about in a broad sense. When Derek first mentioned in his book, How to Opt Out of the Technocratic State, he was speaking in geographic terms. So it was, you can either give up and be apathetic, 
He said, apathy is death. You can hunker down and build in your area, or you can exit where you live and build elsewhere. And so at the summit, we're really going to be focused on exiting the big cities and building community out in the country. Well, that's a, a awesome idea, man. And I'm, I'm, I've long known, I've followed a lot of people who've done that. Like Adam Kokesh has done that. Um, several uh, other people are doing that in smaller municipalities and stuff. Um, just to play devil's advocate here. Like it's uh, you know, we all want to exit this massive authoritarian state that we're all forced to participate in. But that being said, you know, they, they can roll in like they've done in so many other places like Ruby Ridge and Waco. If you try to, exit and under without you know going under their terms they end up you know using excessive force against you and and will come and kill you uh as they have done many times before so how i know people are probably that's probably one of the first thoughts that popped in a lot of people's heads i know it was in in mine is uh how do you defend against these systems like i'm not about smashing everything right like we we want to build and i love that part it's beautiful but how do you defend against this system that will not accept your exit that need that will, you know, compel you and coerce you to be a part of it, no matter what. Great question. They will crush you. <laughs> uh, so that is a wonderful thing that we ought to be exploring. And in my life and my activism, I've very much concerned myself with strategic questions. How do we get from here to there? And then, um, doing thought experiments and game theory to see how things could potentially play out. Uh, first of all, on a, a really fun, fundamental piece of the puzzle is to exit a political jurisdiction that is authoritarian and oppressive. So for example, what has been taking place in Australia and Canada, France, some other places, um, especially since COVID has been pretty nightmarish. There's a lot of people that saw the writing on the wall and many people fled Australia and Canada for Mexico, for example, that had little to no COVID regulations. You didn't have to have a vaccine or even a negative test to fly into the country. Uh, now, some people aren't able to leave their country. However, if there's a will, there's a way, right? Derek Rose is working on this underground railroad project to get people to Mexico. So on the surface, at a basic level, Folks that live in New York City, San Francisco, compared to folks that are living in Florida or Texas, will automatically experience a much greater degree of freedom. Additionally, at the end of the day, when you get out into the country, into the rural areas, into the smaller counties, it's a lot of leave me aloneism, right? Ernest Hancock always says there's two types of people in this world, those that want to be left alone and those that just won't leave you alone. And for the most part, out in the country, you're pretty much left alone. Uh, there's all sorts of rules and laws that are almost entirely unenforced, uh, legally speaking as well, when it comes to building codes and having communities on your property and such, it's very laissez-faire. There are a couple big things that I see being pain points, specifically the income tax and the property tax, right? And so when we speak of exiting, we're talking about a full-on exit, which means total opt-out, total sovereignty. And I want to be perfectly clear, we are thinking in terms of big picture, long-term vision and strategy, something that could potentially take generations. How I, however, I believe with the momentum and the trajectory that things are going on, we very much could experience liberty within our lifetime. 
So a big piece of it is to get out of the cities, get out of the authoritarian jurisdictions and go to greener pastures. And then also a lot of it has to do with strength in numbers. Uh, that's why we created the Freedom Cell Network, uh, strength in numbers. I noticed that there's all these people that believed in voluntarism, yet we're still filing our taxes and obeying this and that. And I realized, you know, it, it, when you have a strong mass of people, it really thickens your spine and creates security for ourselves. So the hope is, and we have like over 33,000 people participating in the network globally. So the concept that I'm pushing for is essentially to create a confederation of freedom cell communities where folks exit the cities, they buy homesteads or they buy land cooperatively, building intentional communities, creating the alternative institutions, pulling our kids out of government schools, building private schools and homeschool cooperatives, building our own food production systems, linking up with local farms, creating our own counter economy so we can trade amongst ourselves using alternative competing currencies. And essentially, if we can all do the work in our own personal lives, individually, we can decouple ourselves from the state institutions as much as possible, which will ultimately make it easier to decouple ourselves completely. Now, contrast the way that I see things playing out with the way that the Branch Davidians played their cards or the way uh, Ruby Ridge happened, I very much think it would be in our best interest to be ingrained in the community. So while we're decoupling from the institutions, and not relying on the public health and human services or the law enforcement. Maybe we even have our own fire department, for example. We still are good, upstanding community members. We're involved in the business community. Uh, I have this vision in Austin. In I used to live in Austin, this huge mega city gone hard left, very not a cool place. Nice things to do, good people. But they have this huge trail of lights. And it's like this big Christmas thing. And it's really extravagant. Uh, probably cost millions and millions of dollars to do. And there's huge lines and yada, yada, yada. Did that many times growing up. Well, now I'm in Bastrop, just east of Austin. They have a little mini trail of lights that leaves a lot to be desired. And so I have this vision like, okay, as I find greater financial success, I would like to go to the city of Bastrop and say, hey, I would like to donate a big, nice light up Christmas tree, something really extravagant. We could have a big launching and we turn on the lights and it's a little celebration and blah 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 so that's just an example of how we can ingrain ourselves how we can build shared value based on shared values so when the time comes that we declare our independence whether it's openly or everyone just slowly but surely opts out it's more it's a more difficult proposition to crush us because we have just been such good people that ultimately if we were to be crushed the state would end up losing face um, additionally maybe it ends up being some sort of middle path where a compromise can be met so my vision is we have a ton of people and rather than running people for office to be a state representative or a county commissioner our group of say 25,000, 50,000 people that happen to reside in this given area we uh, appoint an ambassador and that ambassador goes to the state to the bureaucracy to the politicians and they um, argue on our behalf and say, look, here's the deal. We're no longer using health and human services, police department, fire. We have our own emergency response. We are adding value in these ways, A, B, and C. Basically, the only service that we use that you guys provide is the roads. And frankly, y'all are doing a pretty poor job of maintaining the roads. We have a lot of uh, financial opportunity at our hands because we're business people. So we would like to actually pitch in and, and to help with our construction team to help your roads out. So maybe we pay a tax for this, that, but we don't pay for this, that, and the other. It's only what we use. I don't know exactly what it's gonna pan out, but I know that I feel pretty optimistic that this path will bear fruit, whether it's complete sovereignty 
or relative sovereignty compared to what we have today. Can you uh, do me a favor when you do actually send that ambassador to the state to negotiate? Uh, can you just make sure somebody's filming that? I really want to see the look <laughs> on their face when they have somebody challenge their authority in that sense. <laughs> Maybe but, we'll live stream it. Uh, yeah, please, please do. Um, and it can't be Chris Cantwell. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, no, no, that no. He, he's excommunicated that guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when you talk to people about this. Um, what are some common objections that you hear and how many of them are simply just up here in, in people's heads, like their own mental blockages as far as envisioning uh, their future? Okay. How many are you talking about objections to this grand plan or objections in general to exiting and building? More of just the okay. exiting and building. Uh, okay. I think you, you covered a little bit of that in the, the topic that you were speaking sure. about at the, the conference. Well, I just did a live stream yesterday that was uh, titled Overcoming Your Limiting Beliefs to Clear the Path to Exiting and Building. And so in my work, uh, in my communication with the community, um, email responses from our Live Free Academy list, all the telegram groups and channels, uh, I'm very active and engaging with the folks that are part of our network. And when it comes to exiting and building, the whole prospect is to buy land, right? Um, especially for folks that have already built wealth, it's an easier proposition, but for the folks that are struggling financially, that tends to be the biggest uh, hurdle. Hmm. But what I recognized was that a lot of people, when you bring this stuff up, they their first response is to think of a way that it couldn't work rather than to think of a way that it could work. And this is more than just buying land and leaving the city, right? And again, the whole exit and build thing is like a holistic approach to exiting all these institutions. And I find the same thing when I say, hey, you see what just happened in Canada where they shut down people's bank accounts. Well, what if I told you there was a new technology called cryptocurrency? It's decentralized. It can't be shut down. Many of the options are completely private and secret, and they're going to enable us to continue to do business with one another online or in person. Uh, in spite of their central bank digital currency scheme or their desire to shut down bank accounts. And, you know, you would assume that most people would be like, hey, that sounds really exciting. How can I learn more? Can I get involved right now? What do we do? But for a lot of people, most mostly folks that don't understand it, and maybe that has something to do with it, their first response is, well, what if they shut down the Internet? Or I think cryptocurrency could probably be hacked. Or what if they pass a law against it, right? Same thing. Hey, it'd be a great idea if you want more freedom to leave the cities where most of the authoritarianism and technocracy is being rolled out and to buy land in the country. And their first response is, well, I don't have any money. How could I possibly afford it? And then they stop. And that's it. Rather than that's going to be a challenge for me because I'm struggling financially right now, but I feel so inspired by this idea that I'm confident in myself and my ability to make it happen. Yeah. And so one of the things that I'm trying to do with my activism, and I've been obsessed with success philosophy and self-development and Tony Robbins and Seven Habits of Highly Effective People and Grant Cardone and blah, 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 blah. And a lot of it has to do with mindset. And so I'm hoping to add to the conversation in our whole freedom community and helping people to recognize those limiting beliefs, smash through those limiting beliefs, because more often than not, the biggest obstacle to finding success and finding freedom is ourselves. And so if you can clear the way, the solutions, the technology, the opportunities, the networks are all there in place for us to leverage in order to create really great, incredible lives and 
opportunities for our kids and opportunities for the future generations to come. So a big focus of my work with Live Free Academy is helping folks to recognize that the mindset component is foundationally critical. That's a profound statement. The biggest obstacle to more freedom is yourself. <laughs> and, and that is a, a common objection that you hear from a lot of people. It's like, well, I can't afford it. But we had Jack Spurko on uh, oh, he's podcast last year. He'll be speaking. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. He, he's I think he's speaking at your event. Right. Um, but yeah, he, he said he, he put he, uh, like paved the pathway to wait to, to wait to how you can get um, save enough money up and and eventually, you know, buy a piece of land that you can <clears throat> that, or you can that you can co-op with others or by yourself. Uh, but if, if you make a plan and follow through with it, you have, you should have no problem. You know, um, if this is what you truly want. John, you're somebody who's been in the activist, libertarian activist world for a long time now. Right. Um, do you feel like you've seen more of that kind of doom and gloom mentality and mindset over the past few years? Uh, because maybe COVID and more of just kind of this focus on the negativity or maybe the, the less options that we have. Do you feel like that's something that's you've recognized more or do you feel like that's just something that comes along with talking about a grand idea, a grand scheme like exit and build? Um, uh, one more thing on that last question. A lot of times that's to do with creativity. Uh, and persistence, not giving up. If you set your mind to it, what Dr. Doc Emmett Brown once said, you can accomplish anything you set your mind to. That's a Back to the Future reference, um, but great philosophical wisdom. Uh, we're having this guy, Paul Wheaton. He's like the Duke of permaculture, old school permaculture guy. He's going to be speaking and doing a workshop. And the workshop's going to be on this curriculum he has called SKIP, Skills to Inherit Property. And the purpose is to bring together older generations that own homesteads but don't have the energy anymore because they're aging and elderly to put into the homestead with young people that learn these skills and permaculture and practical skills. And then the young people come and work on the farm and they help bring new life into the property. And then when the older folks pass away, they pass the property on to those young people that built the property. So again, a lot of people are just like, no, I can't do it, blah, blah, blah. But there's always a way to make it happen. And oftentimes it's easier than we may think. It just takes that persistence and creativity. But to answer your question, you know, I think like, I've been doing the activist thing for 20 years now, since 2002, when I caught a, a road to tyranny, 9-11 road to tyranny by Alex Jones. And so I got my start in the whole conspiracy world, even before I learned about the philosophy of liberty from the good old Dr. Ron Paul. And, you know, what I think really the phenomenon that's taking place is when people first get started, they're so overwhelmed with the information overload and they spend that time, you know, they take the red pill and then they just go into deep research mode and they focus on researching the problem to better understand it because they're just so shell shocked and mind blown that this could even be happening. They've been lied to their entire life. And so they're like looking up the new world order and, totalitarian governments and intelligence agencies and all sorts of stuff, stuff that you guys document pretty well over the years on your website. Right. And it's just like, oh, my God, how could we possibly do it? Derek calls it being black pilled. Right. And it's where you're just so overwhelmed. You're like, we're doomed. And so I think it's kind of like phases. So what I believe is is hopeful is that the movement has evolved agorism, alternatives, crypto, freedom cell networks, homesteading, all this stuff, alternatives like float, right? We have our own social networks now uh, that 
it makes it easier to transition from the fear-based research only mode to the proactive, what are we going to do about it mode? And so yes. uh, I think there's more people coming into the fray because the enemies of liberty have overplayed their hand, just like they did with 9-11, although they still ushered in a massive police surveillance state as a result of it, but they woke a lot of people up, myself included. A lot of people woke up after the bailouts. They're like, what the hell? The economy's tanking. My friends are losing their job. We're losing our mortgages. And they just bailed out these suckers, hundreds of millions of dollars. Remember, it was like $700 billion. And everyone was like, oh my God, that's such a big amount of money. Now they're bailing out trillions and trillions, like $9 trillion new dollars. It's insane. But um, the COVID stuff was another big eye opener, even for run of the mill type folks, especially like a lot of conservative folks. And Trump played a little bit of role in kind of pushing people over the edge and stuff. But now the great hope is to recognize, yes, things are bad. Let's learn about this stuff, but let's learn about it in the context of how can we overcome it? How can we work around it? How can we defeat it? How can we insulate ourselves from it? And then I think the best thing we can do is, as activists and, and truth seekers is to provide those alternative solutions to folks so they can step out of that reactionary fear paradigm into a proactive creation and solutions oriented paradigm. And we see that happening all around us. And one thing I've noticed with the greater reset, because I'm like, I'm just in awe of how successful this stuff is and how it just catches on. And I, I see Derek's work and like, I'm always, I'm a fanboy of Derek, even though we're like colleagues and stuff, but I always watch his speeches and he gets me so motivated and stuff. But I'm, I'm like, okay, what is it about folks that are resonating with this message and the work that we're putting out? And I think it's just a breath of fresh air for there to be a solution presented. And yes. it doesn't have to be fear, overwhelm, and we're screwed. It's like, okay, that maybe, maybe we can turn this thing around, you know, if it, if not for the whole world, at least for our community. I felt like that was a very common theme at Float Fest and particularly between you and Derek Bros's uh, speeches. And I, like I said, like I, I felt like very motivated, very inspired by it because, yeah, we've been in this kind of mode of, of trying to focus on the problem for so long. And that's part of our work with the Free Thought Project, right? Of course, like that needs to be done. Uh, we need to also be, you know, quote, waking people up, sharing information to get them interested and motivated about these topics. But it's also... Yeah, breath of fresh air to, to know that people are starting to organize or starting to actually move on the solutions and, and to, you know, who better than you two? I mean, you, you two are some OGs in this movement, but you made a, a very simple but profound point that actually I had to tweet out right in the moment as I was sitting there listening to you. You said we need less complaining and we need more creating. And it's just like that encapsulated everything, you know, and uh, it struck me as very powerful, even though it should be kind of common sense at this point. But I think a lot of us can kind of get caught up in the info wars, uh, the complaining, the researching, the philosophizing, instead of actually doing and building. And, you know, it's especially us and the, the news media, media business, because obviously this is something we're trying to do. Um, but we kind of get attached to social media. You know, the addiction aspects are obviously there to social media. And it almost does feel like there's not enough people who are, are really starting to focus on the solutions. You know, I mean, there's plenty of influencers out there. There's plenty of people you know, commentating and critiquing and the blue check marks and all of them, you know, but like how many people are actually doing it? It doesn't feel like there's a lot. Yeah. You know, one thing that Derek does, cause he's a journalist, right? And then often my talks, I, I say, there's enough of us that are quote unquote awake 
that if we simply organized ourselves and built the alternatives, we could experience liberty in our lifetime. I strongly feel that way. In fact, I felt that way after Ron Paul's presidential campaign in 2008. I think he got like a million votes. Now, mind you, a good chunk of them are just constitutional conservative types, not radical freewheeling libertarians like we are. But the cool thing about Derek, he's a journalist too. And I noticed like I spoke before him and then he spoke and he was like, no, I do think we still need to wake people up. Uh, right, yeah. There's merit in that, right? <laughs> But two, when, when people are having a conversation about waking people up, we need not to shove the red pill down their throats. Just like in the, in the Matrix, they have to make that choice. And so when we're doing that, we can just rest assured that we're not trying to wake up the masses. We're simply trying to pick off the pieces on the mar on people on the margins, on the edges that are already kind of questioning, like maybe someone that voted for Biden. But now they're like, wait a second, inflation. I can see how he's played a role in this or whatever. But one thing Derek does with his journalism and his uh, pyramid of power, for example, um, he I always bring up Derek when I do these interviews and stuff because he's like so on point. We kind of build off. Rose a good dude, man. Yeah, he's the man. But he does his whole spiel about like big tech, big pharma. And it's like problem, problem. Look how terrible it is. Here's their conspiracy over the years. They did this, that and the other. And then the last part of the chapter is solutions. So I think that's a cool thing too. Like we can keep doing the work. There's a role for it. It's snapping people out. It's putting the enemies of freedom on notice, but then every problem has a solution and you could just add it in there, add it into the article, add it into the video and you can kill two birds with one stone. Right. I mean, arguably we wouldn't be having this conversation if someone didn't wake us all up. So yep. yeah, to, to discount that would be, it would be irresponsible, you know? Yeah. There's a place for it. Right, right. But a lot of people only do that. Right. And then it's like, okay, great. We have this problem. Now, what do we do? Right. It's the same thing with like, it's just a strategic question and everything has its place. Uh, like the Canadian freedom, the trucker movement is like, all right, people woke up, they saw there was problems and they're like, let's organize this massive rally and let's go to the front, the head of the parliament and let's go show up. And so it's like, all right, well, now we're here. Now what? Right. And like they got brutally attacked. They got their bank accounts shut down. So it's like, yes, we need to wake people up. We need to understand the problem. Yes. Sometimes it's good to have some uh, to show a, a, a force, a show of force, not violence. But, if, you know, there's a lot of us that are pissed off. But I think the ultimate thing that resonates with the highest frequency and will bear the most fruit is building the infrastructure and the systems that will enable us to leave all of that shit in the dust. And it all has its role, but it's like I want to I want to see more people kind of go up the ladder and like wake up, find out there's a problem. Don't focus on the problem. Go find other people or at least learn about the problem so as to figure out how to overcome it. And then it's like now let's get to building and let's try to bring more people on board, because the more people we have, the easier it is for us to opt out. So you got that. So like right now, people listening to this, they're they're intrigued and they're like, man, I love this idea, you know, of exiting and building. Uh, but I'm tied down right now. What I'm sure there's like varying degrees of of exiting. Yeah. What, what do you what would you say to somebody who like can't exit completely at the moment, but they want to start and support this? But they're just they're too tied down at the moment, but they there's something they can do. You know, are there any smaller things that people can do to opt out? I mean, obviously, like civil disobedience and disobeying. A bunch of bad laws is a uh, is a good start, but like what what on a smaller scale, how can someone start the the their trek down this this road? Sure. So uh, I strongly hope that your listeners and the folks that visit y'all's websites and stuff will check us out at the Land Summit. They can show up in person. That's ideal. We still have some tickets available, or they can watch day one and two for free. 
or they can get a virtual immersion pass, take place, uh, take part in the deep dive workshops on day three, get the downloads and replays. And they also get access to a couple bonuses, one of which is the exit and build life design workshop that I did. And this is all about what can I do in my life to design a life that's in alignment with my values, design a life of prosperity, of fulfillment, of purpose and abundance, and above all, a life of freedom. And so it's like 13 hours of content. It was a two day workshop that I did. And essentially I break down different areas. Like first we talk about strategic planning and goal setting and mindset, which is fundamentally everything, right? And then once we get people feeling confident and believing in themselves, uh, we talk about health, right? The body, exiting the pharmaceuticals, relying on natural remedies, the role that stress plays in bringing us down and creating disease. Uh, then we go on to talk about relationships. Um, how can we relate to folks that don't get it? How can we have healthy relationships within our own families? Because oftentimes people go to Thanksgiving dinner, they annoy the piss out of their family, and then they fracture relationships because they're trying to shove that red pill down their throat, but ultimately they don't want it. And then I consult a lot of people, they confide in me and they're like, my significant other doesn't get it. They're not on board. And they just have a bunch of tension. And I always tell people like, it's okay to have a space that you're not obsessed with the new world order. Like watch a football game, go for a walk, talk about the weather, talk about how big Johnny's getting. That's something that we need, you know, or we're going to lose our minds or we're going to turn everyone away from us. We talk about that. We talk about finances. We talk about uh, just a little bit of cryptocurrency because I've done a whole lot of work just exclusively about crypto, but we talk about uh, entrepreneurship, uh, how you can build wealth outside of the system, how you can slowly but surely decouple, build these counter economic networks. We get into uh, how to overcome big tech and the alternatives to that, privacy and encryption. And so it's really about designing a life slowly but surely or fast where you're decoupling yourselves in your own life. And now this exit and build thing, like a perfect contrast is Derek and myself. Back to Derek. <laughs> I need like a picture of him on my wall. <laughs> We're going to anyway. title this podcast an ode to Derek Bros. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, Derek is almost entirely exited, especially when it comes to his financial life and with like tech and stuff. Like he's on the alternative emails. He doesn't have, he has one of uh, Ramiro Romani's above phones, right? Me, on the other hand, I file my 1040 every year. I have two businesses, two S-Corps, two LLCs we just started. My goal is to amass as much wealth as I can, funnel that wealth into the movement, buy land, just grow things. We want to do this world-class event center and stuff like that. But I'm doing the inside-outside game. He's completely outside, right? I don't think it would be the best use of my time to go full agorist at this point because I've managed to learn how to pretty successfully generate some income for myself that I can then use to live a good life and provide for my family but also cycle it back into the community. And that's the role that I believed that I'm playing. I'm yeah, also learning. What's that? You're an educator too, right? That's valuable. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm learning how to, how to legally not pay taxes through deductions and the S corp game and, and moving this to that business and this, that, and the other. Right. But that's why I just had this Eureka. Cause it's like, okay, Derek, he doesn't have kiddos. He lives on the road a lot. He lives in Mexico. Right. And so it was a little bit easier of a transition for him, not to say it's not without its challenges, right? But there's a lot of folks that are more established. They have children, their kids are in a school, a good school, they have a mortgage, they have a 401k, this, that, and the other. So that's why I think it's a good thing to take the exit and build concept and flip it around. So it's exit and build, exit the systems that we don't like and build the better ones. 
you flip it around and you build the alternatives so as to clear the way for a peaceful exit where you don't lose your ass off, lose all your wealth that you created or end up in a cage. So 99.9% of the actions that we advocate and encourage people to take at this point in time are completely legal. It's not illegal in most jurisdictions to grow your own food. In fact, it's probably not legal to do that anyway. Everyone always makes a big deal of some article they saw about Colorado or whatever on the free stuff. You in your front yard. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sure. But it's like maybe in some isolated jurisdictions, there's regulations or blah, blah, blah. But in most cases, you, it's not illegal to grow your own food. In most cases, it's not illegal to pull your kids out of government school. And it, if it is, I would advise you to leave that political jurisdiction. It's not illegal to purchase cryptocurrency. It's not even illegal to purchase cryptocurrency privately without doing know your customer checks on a service like localcryptos.com, for example. It's not illegal to join the Freedom Cell Network. It's not illegal to opt out in so many different ways. It is illegal. I mean, some people would argue it's not illegal to not pay your taxes because of voluntary compliance, this, that, and the other. But the idea is let us do the work now while we still can to build the alternative institutions, the alternative infrastructures, to build the counter economies. So when they do roll out the central bank digital currency and try to put us all into their surveillance control grid and limit our financial activities based on the websites we visit, for example, uh, we can already, we can maintain a high quality of life and standard of living because there's plenty of people that are willing to do business with us outside of their system. So to answer your question, some people can exit already and build. Many people already have. But for others, let's do the work to build that infrastructure so as to clear the way for a peaceful transition to sovereignty. Speaking of which, as somebody who's spent nearly 10 years now um, staring at screens, trying to really share this information that we think is important, you know, occasionally when something goes viral, there's like a, a temporary moment of feeling like you've been successful, but I can only imagine like being around other like minds in real life, actually putting things in motion and working towards a goal that has to be more empowering than a lot of what we could get from just being on social media and trying to share information. And I, I think you kind of um, touched on like the limiting beliefs, the negative mindset, the scarcity mindset a little bit already in this talk, but I kind of feel like, and kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier in the conversation, kind of feel like when we get stuck into that kind of feedback loop of negative information online, uh, it tends to bring our, our psyche, tends to bring the vibe down a little bit. Um, and so you've also talked about like the law of attraction. So yeah, we're trying to empower ourselves, right? By doing Exit Bill, by contributing to that movement, by joining it, uh, I could only imagine the momentum it would bring in your own life to be, to feel empowered, to feel like you're getting away, you're moving away from some of these tyrannical kind of overbearing systems. I mean, I know you were kind of joking about it, but you, you were, you're talking about your ambitions to get a private jet uh, oh, yeah. through, through the law of attraction. Do, do you mind talking on that a little bit? You know, I, I have the same thoughts often because even though I'm like the, the excellent build guy and we talk about homesteading and stuff, I have a 10 acre homestead, but I spend a significant amount of my time behind a computer also. And I recognize that. And it, it, there's a disconnect there. And, uh, you know, we have a garden going, we created this garden with the freedom cell meeting. We laid out these nice big three garden beds, but then it got neglected because I wasn't there to tend to the garden, right? I'm tending to my business and to this movement and stuff. And so 
I recognize that too. A lot of people recognize that kind of feeling. They're like, okay, maybe I like the work that I'm doing, but maybe it's not as fulfilling as it could be or whatever. And that's, they just stick with it. So I want, I want to help empower people to recognize like we can create a life of our dreams. And so one thing I had this Eureka, cause we did do some yard work and my son, you know, he sits on my lap on the riding lawnmower and stuff. And it's like a good moment. You know, I enjoy it. Right. It's not the most valuable use of my time to make money or whatever, but it's like, it's fun. I like it. Me and my son bond and connect. And so I had a takeaway, like as an entrepreneur, I want to create these businesses where I do what I'd love and enjoy. I love doing videos. I love public speaking. I love bringing people together and I'm obsessed with marketing and strategy and innovation. I don't like the busy work. I don't like the bookkeeping. I don't like the endless, this, the repairing of the funnel and the active campaign integration and blah, blah, blah. Right. So it's like, okay, well, I know that now. So what can I do to manifest that by hiring a team, training folks, spending more time here? Maybe there's a combo. Maybe I spend more time at the garden, but I'm filming. So it's also fulfilling the purpose of the mission of the, of the stuff. So the idea is like for people to be mindful and conscious and recognize that stuff and then do something to shift it and to feel empowered in creating a better life for themselves. What's right. fulfilling for them. But yeah, the law of attraction. So uh, there's a lot of, you know, people think it's hippy dippy or you bring it up and some people are like, oh, that's just nonsense, blah, blah, blah. It's not. It's the truth and it works. But oftentimes people think it's just a mindset thing and that's it. So uh, if we just don't think about this, you know, so the joke was like, I want a private jet. I will have a private jet someday. Uh, I want to be able to show my kids the world without having to deal with all the BS and the TSA and who knows what the mandates are doing. And then I thought like, well, shoot, if I have a private jet, and some countries I still may need to go through their their entry and do the visa thing. And then they're going to try to do a test then or something. So then I was like, well, I just need to be a multi-billionaire where I can grease some palms and basically go wherever. <laughs> and it's like, oh, I got to oh, let me donate to your kid's college and build a new building. And me and my kids can go to the Eiffel Tower or something. Remove that bridge while you're at it. That's right. Um so, but I do the show where it's like, I'm sitting down and I'm a private jet. I own a private jet, private jet, private jet. And then you open your eyes you're like, shit, where's the private jet? So it's not just the law of attraction, the mindset thing. You got to have a strategy and you got to take massive action. And in order to improve your chances of success, you got to find a team of people that are on the same page to help you reach your goals and you help them reach their goals. So it really comes down to action, right? But it starts with that manifestation component and the idea that where your attention goes energy flows so for the folks that spend almost all of their time behind the computer watching conspiracy videos this is where i was at too and i thought i was like all oh, i'm so awake and so knowledgeable about this stuff but really i was like freaked out and overwhelmed and annoying my parents on our road trips about their symbolism everywhere um <laughs> you know, i was obsessed with alex jones before i was obsessed with derrick bros i was obsessed with alex jones but um for folks that are just learning about the great reset and klaus schwab and the new world order and the technocracy and the social credit system all day then yeah they're going to experience a lot of tyranny in their lives a lot of fear and overwhelm but for folks that are coming out to float fest or getting together with their local freedom cell group and doing a perma blitz in somebody's backyard and then having a tea or a beer together, they're going to experience some real world freedom and they are going to have a more free life. So it's really about how, what we think about what situations we put ourselves in that determines the level of freedom we experience in this world. And so 
yeah, nothing could be more important in my opinion. Like what we think about, what we focus on, we create more of in our lives. Yeah, can't I wait agree. To, can't wait to see you pull up by uh, Float Fest 2024 with your private jet. <laughs> we'll take the helicopter to Float Fest. The private jet's got to oh, right, right, right. use the airport. I mean, there's enough land out there. You could probably build a little runway strip. So. There we go. <laughs> that's a good. That's a good point too. Like speaking of the negativity and things, this isn't having to do with exiting and building, but it has something to do more along the lines of of positivity in your life. And I think that if you surround yourself with a bunch of negative people that, uh, that are all feared, like fearful and scared of what's going on in the world, you know, because they can't do anything and feel powerless. I think that you're going to manifest that upon yourself. So there's a, and you don't necessarily have to leave these groups behind. I hate when I see messages like that on Facebook, they get a million likes or Twitter or anywhere where people are like, Oh, leave everybody negative behind in your life. You know, don't leave them just become the positive person in your group. And you can raise everybody else up. You know, that's what that's what you surround yourself with positive people. And then eventually you can you can manifest these positive things in your life. I mean, I, I, I know that, you know, I mean, unfortunately, in my life, I did have to leave a couple of negative people behind. But, um, you know, they were they were beyond saving. But like everybody else, uh, you know, I still even reach out to those people and see, you know, if they're better or not. But, um you know, if you the, the people you surround yourself with and the attitudes that they they reflect into your daily life uh, definitely helps with this that not not being black pilled, you know, where you're overwhelmed with the with everything that's going on. <clears throat> yeah. Keeping that positive mindset too, absolutely. Yeah, and it's not like I, I always caution people not to be naive about the state of the world or where we find ourselves. Recognize that, but let's do something about it. It's, and I'm so conscious of the dichotomy between victimhood and empowerment. And it's like the folks that have this victim mentality, they're the ones that when you bring up, like a lot of people really are against capitalism and against money. And they're like, I wish we could exist in this system without money. And they're like, I don't want to buy land. Or if I don't have money, then I'll have to live on someone's property and they're going to tell me what to do and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, some people, I don't know if it's a laziness or if it's just they haven't ever been good with money or whatever it is, but then they like they point the finger at capitalism. Capitalism's the enemy rather than saying like this comes up a whole lot with uh, this Ubuntu movement. It's called contributionism. This guy named Michael Tellinger, he's got a whole system. Some of it's in a lot. I mean, it, it's pretty cool because it's like let's abandon the old system and build a new one. I'm, I don't like I, I don't like the system. I'm not going to live in that system. But it would be in alignment with my vision for all these free communities. Maybe we could trade amongst ourselves and stuff. But he's like, every person in the community works only three hours a day. We all cooperatively own the business. The profit from the business is cycled back into the community, this kind of thing. And so a lot of times when I'm talking about stuff, that always comes up. And, and a lot of the people are anti-capitalist. But I tell them like, because in one of our big groups, it's like a 2,600 person group. Everyone that signs up for the summit gets invited to this community group for the Accident Build Land Summit. People are collaborating stuff and and people often bring that up. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's great. You know, I'm not a big fan of Michael Tellinger. And I kind of throw a couple objections to it, but I'm respectful and I'm not trying to like shit on anybody. And people get offended and they're like, oh, but you're so influential in this group, blah, blah, blah. But the message that I try to convey is like, look. It's okay if I don't like this system. We don't all have to like the same things. We don't all have to believe in it. We can still jam together and not have it be exactly the same. But I want to challenge you 
because part of the thing is this one small town movement. It's like, let's find a small town of 5,000 people and let's go put this movement, this philosophy and strategy into play. And I challenge people like, hey, if you think this is really the best way to organize society, go do it now and prove it out because you don't have to take over a town of 5,000 people. You can link up with your friends and build this cooperative business model where all of the profit gets recycled and shared and it's a co-op kind of deal. And I put it to him, I'm like, okay, if you think this is a good idea, show us that it works. But again, a lot of people, they're like, uh, uh. And so I've developed this consciousness about, I, I, I'm conscious of that. And so in my work, I'm like, okay, because as a leader and as a successful person, I take responsibility for that stuff around me. So if somebody's in my sphere of influence and they came to this X and a build group and they want to do something, but they have that objection, that roadblock, I'm taking it upon myself to be like, all right, let's do some sessions on project management and goal setting and moving the ball down the field. Because a lot of the whole exit and build thing, the building, a lot of people don't build because they don't know how. And it's a challenge, right? Like my carpentry skills could certainly use a brushing up. And I was so proud of myself for changing the oil on our zero point riding lawnmower, you know, and I was like, yeah, I never changed the oil on a car or anything like that, but I did it. And I was like, yeah, but I had to like watch the YouTube video, blah, blah, blah. So people don't know how to build oftentimes, but that doesn't mean that they can't learn. And so just, we just all need to have this will to make it happen. So I went on a little tangent there, but let's, uh, let's learn what we need to do. Let's develop the skills to make this happen because it's critical. We deserve better, man. It's ugly what's taking place out there. I don't want it for my kids. I don't want it for my grandchildren. I don't want it for anyone else's children. I don't want it for us that are in existence today. And if we're going to abandon this system, we're going to have to build the alternative to show everyone else that it's possible. Yeah. Speaking of education, empowerment, and building, um, it's probably perfect segue. Uh, do you mind explaining Freedom Cells to anybody who's not familiar with it? I think you and Bros were the original founders. Am I correct when I say that? Yeah. So uh, back in 2014, you know, because I was around for the evolution of the liberty movement, right? So I would say that the modern liberty movement that we're all part of, and there's all these little offshoots, um, was with the Ron Paul campaign in 2008. Before that, there was Libertarian Party and some think tanks and the Coke to Puss and all this other stuff, Beltway and think tank libertarians. Uh, Samuel Edward Konkin was around back in the day too, but it was extremely obscure, the agorist uh, philosophy and strategy. But it's like Ron Paul campaign happened. I was around for that. And before I was a 9-11 truth or conspiracy guy, and we were shunned early on in the, in the Ron Paul stuff. Like a lot of people are like, we can't talk about conspiracies. We're trying to win over the Republican Party. And I was like, Ron Paul talks about the biggest conspiracy of all, the Jekyll Island conspiracy. But you're going to say, I can't talk about 9-11. Give me a break. I always found a way to work it in. But uh, I also had this realization like, okay, if somebody's going to be offended by me talking about Building 7 collapsing in six and a half seconds in its own footprint, they're not the type of person I want in my movement anyway. They're weak. They're afraid. They're trying to impress someone. Whatever. You do your thing. I'm going to do my thing and find the radicals that are pissed off enough to, to, to change things. Uh, but either way, I was like, wow. So I saw the evolution from Ron Paul, Republican, Libertarian, Minarchism, Voluntarism. Right. And now all of a sudden there's a huge chunk of us in the liberty movement that were like, no, man, anarchism, voluntary relationships, agorism as a strategy. Um, I'd like to think I played a role in, in getting agorism into the conversation because I learned about it back in 2009 and was like, this is it. 
create parallel institutions. That's what I used to call them back then. Um, and so I saw that there was all these people that understood the philosophy of liberty, but we weren't living free, myself included. And so I realized like, okay, fear is a big uh, factor that prevents us from living free. And I was like, okay, how do we overcome the fear? Strength in numbers. And so it was myself, I came up with the concept and the idea of freedom cells. And we started a freedom cell group and we had like seven people kind of fell apart. It was some inviting. Uh, and I talk about it in some podcasts and some speeches. Well, at this time, I also was having kids. I had two kids and we were living a very poor life. And so I was like, this ain't going to work. This I could do the poor activist thing, me and my ex-wife, but now I got kids and the electricity is getting shut off. This sucks. Uh, and so I leaned into entrepreneurship. And that was a struggle for the whole time, except more recently. But that's why it goes back to the persistence. But thankfully, Derek Bros, me and him have known each other since 2010. He caught one of my talks about the Freedom Cell Network. And he was like, holy shit, this is hot. So I credit Derek Bros. He's really the one that took the idea of Freedom Cells and turned it into the Freedom Cell Network. Uh, and so he started pumping it. He had a big following. He was doing his podcast, Conscious Resistance Network, doing all these tours and all these talks. And he's really what planted the seed in the broader community. But even back then, it was like small number of people were resonating with it and trying it. Early pioneers, very few people. Um, and it was COVID-19 that really blew it up. So before COVID, it was a thousand people. It's also Derek. He's the one that built the website, freedomcells.org, that created an opportunity to bring people together. But before COVID, there was a thousand people registered on the freedomcells.org website. Post-COVID, there's now 33,000. So wow. they're the best players on our team. And again, it just underscores that they overplayed their hand. And people were like, holy crap, this new world order thing we've been talking about, like we got to stop it from happening. It's here. It's in our face. What are we going to do? And so that's kind of the genesis story of, of the Freedom Cell Network. No, I appreciate you clarifying that. Yeah, for as long as I can remember uh, talking to bros, I mean, it, he's constantly dropping Freedom Cell Network and to, to me, to everybody, you know. took so. it and ran with it, man. He turned it into a thing. Like, I always have these ideas and projects, but it kind of is like, I'll, I'll do it for two years, and then I move on to the next thing sure. for a couple years, doing it on the next. So it could have just been some lost thing, but Derek took it and really created the network, and so... Yeah, we both hold the co-founder title, and I think it both of, it wouldn't be what it is today without the help of both of us. And it's basically a global phenomenon at this point, right? Like there's freedom cells throughout the world, or yeah, it's right. all over Australia, Canada, France, Mexico has a huge contingent that are very well organized in different cities and states. And you know, for folks not familiar, it's basically you get together with other freedom lovers and you form small groups ideally of eight people. Eight people is the uh, the optimal number of people to have maximum creativity. More than eight starts to get bureaucratic. People aren't on the same page. Less than eight, there's not as many ideas and there's not many people to implement the ideas. Eight is the ideal number. It doesn't have to be eight. It could be six. It could be 10. It could be whatever you want. It's very loose, but you get together with that group. You start working together on common goals food production, preparedness, pulling your kids out of government school, buying land together, masterminding for entrepreneur and financial success, right? But then you link up with other small groups. And so now instead of having just your group of eight, you have eight groups of eight and you form what we call a middle cadre. Group of eight, we call an inner cadre. And this middle cadre, maybe it stretches across a city or the Southern part of a city. 
And then before you know it, it grows and grows and you link up with the other middle cadre groups. So for example, in Central Texas, on our Telegram group, we have around 700 people. And so we have the Central Texas Freedom Cell Meta Cadre. But then within that Central Texas group, where we meet maybe once every two months or so, 60, 70 people show up, we have the South Austin cell, the Bastrop County cell, the Williamson County, the Hill Country group, right? And so within that umbrella, there's all these smaller groups. And so you're most dedicated to your small cadre. You get each other's back, you meet regularly, you go to the kids' birthdays together, you grow the food together, you have a phone tree together, you rely on one another. Uh, but you also have this broader network that you can call on, that you can utilize and leverage in order to do big things. And essentially what we're aiming to do, what we are doing is creating the infrastructure to facilitate the transition to a genuinely free society. Yeah, it, it felt like, um, and I think I mentioned this in Matt already, but it felt like you and bros were really the life force driving the float fest. Um, it probably sounds like a bit much, but uh, when bros was speaking and when you were speaking, uh, it was a full crowd, right? Like everybody was there. And then as me and Luis were leaving, uh, we were driving out and you guys are doing your workshop, I, I think for the freedom cells. And there was just a huge, huge crowd around you guys. And it was just like, man, like you guys are the ones that majority of the people came for. Um, but bros did mention uh, as you guys, we're doing that. You were also trying to kind of game scenarios um, with the freedom cells at the people who are at the workshop for the freedom cells. And um, what, what was some of that like? I think he had mentioned um, you guys gave people like a scenario like, OK, they're going to freeze your bank accounts in seven days. Like, how how do you move forward? Yeah. You know, I noticed that, too. Like I noticed a bunch of the other speakers were like, doing work like John and Derek does. And there was like a lot of references. So I was like, wow, it's pretty humbling. Like, holy shit. And it's like I re referenced earlier. It's like, it's an idea whose time has come and it's so satisfying. And it's so like, oh, wow. Okay, there's something we can do to really make this happen. It just resonates with people. And the greater reset, that was the whole message of the greater reset. It's like, they're doing a great reset. Screw it. Let's do a greater reset. And let's prevent let's provide the alternatives let's decentralize and it's just really resonates with people and yeah. it's magnetic so super excited to, to be true. a part of that um but yeah we do these freedom cell workshops so we teach people what the freedom cell work the network is all about some of its history how it works what the goals and purpose are and then we break into these like simulations so we broke up the group of like 50 plus people into groups of eight and we gave them a scenario and the scenario is you just learned that in seven days, because of your participation in the Freedom Cell Network, uh, your bank account is being shut down. And I later told Derek, like, a lot of these folks aren't part of the network. Let's not tell them that their bank account's going to get shut down because of the Freedom <laughs> Cell Network. <laughs> well, you never know. We should have said, because you visit the Free Thought Project regularly <laughs> and it's tracked to your IP address, your bank account's going to get shut down. Who knows, you know, because sure. yeah. the websites can exist, dude. You guys on IPFS, by the way? Interplanetal file, file sharing. Um, remind me, I'll link you up with some guys. There's this whole decentralized uh, internet framework, basically, and you could take your website and mirror it on the IPFS protocol or others. And that way, if your IP or your DNS ever gets shut down, which is hot, you know, you guys got the boot from all the social media and stuff, it's possible for them to boot people from accessing the websites and the URLs. It exists in this space that cannot be censored or controlled, right? Uh, but either way, 
people started kicking it around and it, it, and then we present and then we brought all the groups up to have one person present their ideas and so it just kind of gets people thinking like That's wow good. if this happened what would we do and i hope it underscores the idea that go ahead and build your group and your network now think about these things and like I shared before, like think about these things in the context of what can we do about it. And so now that the enemies of freedom have showed their hand, they're willing to coerce, pressure people, extra judicious, judiciously, extra legally. They're trying to make life difficult for people to force them to do things they don't want to do. So, OK, they're willing to threaten your employment in order to force you to the vaccine. All right. Well, maybe I should work with freedom minded people or explore entrepreneurship. They're willing to prevent me from entering grocery stores uh, if I don't have a vaccine or vaccine passport or whatever. Okay, maybe I should start growing my own food and creating these food sharing co-ops or whatever. So it's just an exercise. And unfortunately, all this stuff is a very real possibility of, of happening. Yeah. I mean, I don't, Which is I why we got to be building now so we can jump ship when that time does inevitably come. <clears throat> right. I can't think of many activists or, or groups or organizations that are kind of gaming this thing out to that extent. So it's, it's definitely useful, definitely valuable. So I know we're uh, running low on time here, close to the hour mark, but we did kind of uh, talk about um, possible ways that activists could find financial success with social media marketing and strategy. Uh, we were going to talk about it kind of off air, but um, I feel like it's something that our audience could use. I know there's plenty of content creators and activists uh, who listen to our podcast. So it's, is there maybe something that you can kind of summarize or some strategies within the, the next four or five minutes that uh, you feel like would be beneficial for our audience to hear? Sure. Uh, yes. So I look at entrepreneurship as how can I provide value to other people? Uh, there's this quote by this guy, Zig Ziglar. First of all, if folks want to get involved in entrepreneurship or start a business or be financially successful, I strongly encourage for them to obsess with success, sales, marketing, literature. I'm a big fan of Grant Cardone and the 10X rule, the 10X movement. I'm a big fan of Russell Brunson, specifically when it comes to marketing. He's a genius and a guru, has a great book called Dot Com Secrets. And then you have the greats like uh, Zig Ziglar, Brian Tracy, Jay Abraham. So just get obsessed. That's what I do. That's all I do. Like I'm podcasting. I'm listening to the eBooks. I'm listening to the eBooks, then reading the physical book because it was so damn good. And I want to make sure I really consume it. And then revisiting the eBook two years later when something else pops up. So you just got to be obsessed. Um, and then you got to say, how can I provide value to other people in exchange for money? And Zig Ziglar says, you can get everything you want in life just as long as you help other people to get what they want. So think about like, what are some problems that people are facing? And then back to the mindset thing. This is something I talked about in the live stream I did recently. It's like a lot of people feel isolated or I lost my job and I'm alone and nobody thinks like I do. And I'm, I have estranged relationships because I won't stop talking about this stuff. Well, if that's your world, because you choose for that to be your world, then that's how your reality is going to play out. But me, on the other hand, you guys were like going to these freedom events and there's like 400 freedom people and we're all and I'm doing business. I built businesses, even my Kratom business, Brave Botanicals, mybravebotanicals.com. Try free ounce. Free ounce <laughs> um, I built these businesses specifically catering and trying to attract people that are freedom people. So it's not like buy your Kratom. It's like buy Kratom. Screw the man. They're going to try to shut our credit card processing. We're going to accept crypto and e-checks. Let's fight for health freedom. Right. And of course, Live Free Academy is specifically catering to the freedom community. So 
what I want to share with folks is like there are so many freedom people and free thinkers and red pilled folks that you can specifically build a business catering to your own community or not. It's big enough to actually be successful in that space. But um, really what it comes down to for a successful business is marketing. That's the difference in my opinion. You can have a great product versus a mediocre product. And if the great product doesn't have good marketing and can't get in front of people, the mediocre product could easily win out with good marketing. When it comes to marketing, um, what's really important is this strategy called uh, a lead magnet. Right? There's a guy, Dan Kennedy. He's basically the guru that taught this Russell Brunson guy. Russell Brunson transformed my life. Russell Brunson plus the massive action, just nutcase level of work that Grant Cardone advocates was a huge uh, a benefit for me in my business. And so Russell Brunson talks about having a lead magnet. And so essentially, instead of just shooting blind or just sharing blindly on social media, you get people to raise their hand and express interest in what it is that you have to offer. So for example, uh, when it comes to my Kratom stuff, so I'm trying to find people that might want to try Kratom. So I put out a lead magnet, which is, hey, you can try an ounce of Kratom for free. All you got to do is pay $5 shipping and handling. That brings them into my world. It's basically a break even or a little bit of a loss proposal. But once they add that to the cart, they're presented with a upsell to purchase my four other strains at 50% off. I make a little bit of money on that. But what's most important is somebody has raised their hand and expressed interest in the products they have to offer. Another thing I could do is uh, download my free report with five natural ways to overcome chronic pain. So people that are in chronic pain, Kratom CBD helps with chronic pain. These people are raising their hand. I have chronic pain. I'm looking for natural solutions. You execute, you send them the PDF of the free report, and then they in turn enter your world, enter your email list, you email market to them, right? So it's called a lead magnet. It's a way to offer value to start building that relationship and do it in a way where you're not shooting blind, you're not cold calling, you know that the people that are communicating with you are interested in what it is that you have to offer. That's really critical. Another big part is building a solid email list. Email marketing, people think it's dead, it's old, it's all social media, nothing could be further from the truth. And in our world, email marketing is a list of clients that you control and you own. And so nothing could be more important if you're putting out controversial material, as you guys experience. Russell Brunson calls it the Google slap or the Facebook slap, where just out of nowhere, it's like, you guys are flying high, lists are doing good, uh, advertising revenue, whatever, and then pop, boom, it just all goes away. And it's because it's, an, it's a vehicle that you don't control. So the idea is to use these things, put out the lead magnet, share it with the world through whatever chance possible, but always be collecting people's emails because that's traffic that you control. And then you market to those people pretty religiously. I do five emails plus a week and I'm constantly getting people that say, this is too much. Is there a way to just do one a week? You're, it's rude that you're sending so many emails. And I'm like, look, I'm communicating. I believe that I have a duty to share my message with the world and that these products will dramatically benefit your life. So the emails will continue and you're welcome to delete them. You're welcome to, we'd hate to see you unsubscribe, but what's most important isn't the unsubscribes. It isn't the open rate. It isn't the click through rate. What's most important in my business is the sales. That's the metric that I measure. I want people on my list that are excited that I blow them up in their inbox all day long 
Um, if someone signs up for the summit with y'all's link, then they'll experience what that's like. But it's always educational. It's always informative. It's always uplifting and inspirational messages. So that's kind of a flow, right? You find a product, you find a niche that will solve people's problems. The bigger the problem you solve, the more problems you solve, the more money you stand to make. You use a lead magnet marketing strategy to put the word out to folks where they opt into your list. You're not it's called be a welcome guest instead of an annoying pest, right? And they're like, hey, I'm interested in what you have to offer. Then you deliver on what you promised. That starts to build that trust. You market pretty aggressively to them, offering a variety of different products. Another piece is a value ladder. So you work people up. So like in y'all's instance, you could have a simple membership program where maybe the articles get published first to them or there's exclusive in-depth stuff or like we do this hour long podcast and then we do a 30 minute private thing that's only for the members, right? So it's like a $5 membership, maybe with a free trial, but then you have a one level up on the value ladder. First, you have a free lead thing at the very lowest where it's like, we put together this free report that'll teach you how to cut through the headlines, read, know, know what's fake news, right? Or we have our own independent fact checker, sign up for this every week, we'll send you the latest fake news to come out from CNN or whatever kind of flip the thing on them. And so that's the lowest tier, no cost, low trust, low relationship. Then you have the $5, $10 membership, right? But then on top of that, you have like, join our mastermind group. Uh, you wanna learn how to be an independent alternative media journalist. We put together this mastermind group. We meet once a month. And then we have this exclusive material where we're given, putting out a report every single month as well. That costs $30 a month to be part of this mastermind, right? And then maybe ultimately you do one-on-one -on -one consulting about how to be an effective journalist or whatever. So these are just examples. You slowly but surely work people up the value ladder. And before you know it, they're doing high ticket items with you, $1,000, $2,000 plus. Maybe it's an in-person mastermind meeting that they can attend in. There's a whole body of literature that teaches people how to do this. And some of the names I shared have, uh, have uh, helped in this area. And it's something I've been obsessed with. I've applied it to my business and I've found immense financial success and it's only just the beginning. Yeah, the proof is in the pudding. So uh, thanks so much guys. And please don't forget to consider donating or subscribing if you appreciate the work we do. Of course, go to the freethoughtproject.com at the top, you'll see the tabs for our membership or donations. Also check out the store there. Um, we have t-shirts, stickers, a bunch of other merch. And of course, we're on 16 different social media platforms. So um, join us on these other smaller platforms. Um, of course, please review, rate this podcast if you enjoyed it. That helps us reach other free thinkers. Yeah, thanks, dude, for all that information. Uh, of course, check out John's uh, livefree.academy, uh, his Exit and Build Land Summit, which is May 13th through 15th at the Bastrop Convention Center in central texas and yet the uh, day one and two are completely free with the live streaming um and as john mentioned check out his brave botanicals um is there anything else you want to plug brother nope that's pretty good i hope folks will uh, register for the event totally free for day one and two join us in person there's still some tickets available or check out the virtual immersion pass so you can do the day three workshops with us we're going to do intentional community speed dating linking people up with folks that are on a on the same page as them and you'll get access to all the replays and the workshop that I mentioned before. Awesome, yeah, we're gonna have the link in the description, um, an affiliate link, so you'd be helping both us and, and John if you do decide to click on that. Of course, you're a total inspiration, John. Thank you so much. You're leading by example. Uh, you're not just beating a dead horse, you've transcended 
with focus and action into manifesting freedom in our lifetime with the freedom cells through exit and build intentional communities. It's so important that we have people like you in this movement. So yeah, thanks so much, man. Keep up the good work. Very much appreciate your time with us today. Thanks guys. Later brother. Thanks. Thanks.